Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you are doing well this week. You're listening to episode 447 of the Chicago Audible, and we are continuing our annual State of the Franchise series. And in today's show, we're going to focus on the side of the ball that honestly needs improvement across the board, and that is the Chicago Bears offense. Joined with me today is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I know you told me that you're going to be having Patrick Finley as your instructor next quarter in school. So obviously you're excited about that opportunity. What do you think your first lesson will be? Extensive drawing like 101? Oh, that would be a good one. Or not to confuse him for Chris Emma. I think I'm going to bring up that story on the very first day of class because that was just hilarious. What was that, two years ago now in training camp? Yeah. Hey, it's Chris Emma. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, maybe I'll bring that up to him. Maybe we'll learn how to how to draw those fantastic pictures that he always uh, does every training camp. But I'm really excited when I saw that he was one of the instructors for sports reporting. I'm like, I have to take this class. Regardless of how I have to, you know, alter my schedule, I'm going to make it work. Absolutely. I'm excited for you. It's really awesome that you have an opportunity to learn from some of the best, you know, Guys on the beat in the city, uh, just the best journalists in town. So I do envy you just a little bit, maybe, okay, maybe a lot, but it's pretty awesome you get to do that. But definitely, uh, you know, tell Patrick we say hi, and I'm sure we'll get him on the podcast here soon, right? Absolutely. The good news doesn't stop there. Uh, for those listening, I actually got some really good news. Uh, hit my inbox yesterday uh, evening. Uh, we're going to probably announce, I would say, partial news halfway through the show. Uh, bear with me as we kind of go through it. But if uh, right before we get to our pass and play segment, uh, we'll see how I'm feeling. I'm probably just share all the news anyway, Nick. But, I mean, I'm excited to tell everyone uh, some of these updates. But stick around for that. I know a little bit of a teaser. Usually I just come out and blurt it, but uh, hang tight, and I promise the wait's going to be worth it. But, Nick, are you excited to talk about this Bears offense? Because I'm not. No, yeah, I was about to say, you're excited. Uh, not There's just been, we'll get into it, but not really well. All right, so just a quick reminder for what's in store for you today, the listener. We're going to break down each position. Again, today's focus is going to be on the Bears' offense. We're going to explain the current state of each position. Spoiler alert, it's probably not going to be good. And, of course, there's going to be a whole lot more, including our personal level of need at each position. And, of course, we'll play our game to determine which upcoming in-house reagents should receive a new contract in Chicago. So, in short, we're going to analyze each position, explain where they currently stand, and how they can be better next season. 
So it's time to take a hard look at the Bears offense that suffered from a serious case of regression in 2019 as they finished the year 29th in yards per game, 29th in points per game, 26th on the ground. Oh, sorry, 26th through the air, 27th on the ground. Either way is not good. 25th on third down, and 24th in red zone efficiency. So no matter which way you splice it up, this Bears offense, which is bad, bad, bad. And Nick, before we jump into each position, I know you have some big picture items that you wanted to address. I was going to tell you, ask, what did the offense do well last year? But I don't know. Could you find any silver linings in what that mess was in 2019? Or is there just improvement needed across the board? There's definitely improvement needed across the board, but I did find one strength. And I'm really, I when I'm looking at my notes, I have strengths and then weaknesses, and that goes about for two pages. Sure. But there is one strength that I did find on this Bears offense last season. In the third quarter, this is the quarter where even defensively the Bears were pretty good as well. In the third quarter, the Bears were ranked third in points scored with an average of 6.8 points. And actually, eight times the Bears have opened up the third quarter, their, their opening drive, with a scoring drive. So seven touchdowns and one field goal on opening drives in that third quarter. They scored a field goal against first meeting with the Vikings and then touchdown drives against the Chargers, Eagles, Lions, Rams, Giants, Cowboys, and Vikings again on that opening drive of the third quarter. That was the strength of this Bears offense. And I guess if you want to put another strength, Throwing to Allen Robinson was another one. He was the fifth most targeted receiver last season, 25.8% target rate. And look what that gave you, 98 receptions, 1,147 yards, seven touchdowns. But that is literally it when I looked at the strengths for this Bears offense. Allen Robinson was the only note I had. I didn't need to go into you know any stats when it comes to Allen Robinson. I think we know uh, the value he brought to that offense and that he was the only uh, thing that was consistent on that you know side of the ball for that entire season. Now, Nick, I know you have some weaknesses, and I just want to bear in mind or have you keep in mind that this is a show that there is a time limit. Not really, but I don't <laughs> need to sit here all night going through and uh, you know wallowing in some self pity after I hear about these weaknesses. But you want to give us the overview of what this Bears offense is bad at, besides just saying everything. I was going to start it off by saying everything, but to get more specific into what that entails, I mean, look at just the explosive plays or the lack of explosive plays this offense generated last season. The Bears finished dead last with 48 explosive plays on the season. And to in comparison, the 49ers had 101 first in the NFL. And these are important because when you don't have big chunk plays – you have to go down the field in small increments, small passes, and try to you know, sustain long drives. That's what the Bears had to mostly do if they were trying to score. So they were ranked dead last in that category. In offensive yards per drive, they were 29th with, with an average of 27.8 yards. Offensive points per drive, they were 28th with 1.54 points per drive. And then offensive drive success rate. They were 27th with a .65 success rate, and that's the percentage of downs that result in either a first down or a touchdown. And in comparison to see that six, that .675, Baltimore finished first with .794% success rate. And look, there's so many other statistics that I can go into to describe how bad this Bears offense was, but those are just some I wanted to highlight because when you really look at this Bears offense, they weren't able to generate much. And I know I highlighted a positive in that third quarter scoring, 
every other quarter was just horrendous for the Bears in terms of scoring. They were tied for last in the first quarter with 2.3 points uh, scored in the first oh, uh, that first quarter. That makes me, you have to laugh. Yeah, in the second quarter, they were 30th with five points. Hey, a little bit of adjustment, but still awful. And then the fourth quarter, also last in the NFL with 3.4 points scored average in that fourth quarter. So there's a lot of things wrong. Not going to take up all the time because this, like I said, my list goes on and on and on. But those are just some I wanted to highlight as to how bad this Bears offense was in 2019. All right, let's go ahead. Let's go into more uh, position-specific because I'm sure you can repurpose some of your notes for the general weaknesses and use these for positions. And we'll go ahead and we'll begin this episode by taking a look at the Bears' offensive line. And I'd actually love to begin today by talking about Charles Leonard Jr. Uh, Windy City Gridirons, Robert Schmitz, recently dropped a very good video. Check it out if you haven't yet. He breaks down the play of Leonard Jr. last season. Uh, to summarize it, uh, he explains why Leno wasn't terrible or atrocious, but at the end of the day, he was just average. And that's really what we've expected or believe is the ceiling for Leno Jr. Maybe slightly above average is the max that we've ever really said here in this podcast, but average has been the word that we've utilized for our left tackle. So Nick, I'm just curious, do you want to share some of your thoughts on that breakdown and in general, looking at Charles Leno Jr., your confidence in him at the position in 2020? Yeah, no, I just looking at Robert's video, I think he it just presented a fair assessment of Charles Leno Jr. Because I know a lot of people, including myself, were very critical of his play, and we should have been. You see the penalties that he accumulated over the season. You see the just a regression along the entire offensive line. But you expected better from Charles Leno Jr., especially because he was a pro bowler the season before. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that can't do his job. He's not going to be the best at it. He's not going to be the worst, but he's somewhere in the middle. And I think Robert brings up a great point in terms of the money that he's being paid. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but the value of getting a capable left tackle and knowing that you can count on him for the most part, that's what I think fans should be looking at because you're not going to have a, you know, a you know, a high caliber left tackle for what you're paying him and where you got him a seventh, a former seventh round draft pick. That's I think good value for what he is. And most of his penalties, most of his really bad play happened in the beginning of the season. And look, it was really an, it was an all effort kind of thing with the offensive line where everybody just kind of regressed in their play. I think bears fans as they should have just had, higher expectations for him coming into this season. But when everybody's playing bad, the entire offense is, it makes sense why he struggled at times. But I really, if you haven't watched this video, definitely go do so because it gives what, what I think is a, just a very fair assessment of Charles Leno's play. Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, we've talked about this and his contract somewhere in the middle of the road, like right in terms of like literally average amount for a left tackle in this league. And, I think you get what you pay for, and I think we can all agree that you know the Bears, with their limited cap situation, uh, this well, I mean, a he's under contract, he's not going anywhere, and b don't think they had the money to really upgrade from him if they did have an opportunity to do so. Anyhow, moving forward, I want to go ahead and move on here, and let's look at James Daniels and center Cody Whitehair, and obviously. They had him flip-flop to begin the year. It was uh, something that happened last offseason, and they started the regular season with it, having Whitehair at guard and Daniels at center back to their natural positions that they played at least in college. 
Nick, I think we can agree that was a failed experiment. I know the Bears did because they decided to flip them back to where they were in 2018. And afterwards, both stepped up their play. I would say that Whitehair did so a little bit more than Daniels. But let's look at 2020. I think it's safe to say that both of these players are going to be starters, of course. So, Nick, really the question here is, will they kind of remain put? Like, they're not going to flip-flop them again, right? There's no way they're going to try to do that again. And if they do remain put, keeping White here at center and Daniels at guard, what kind of season are you expecting from from each? Do you think they can return to their 2018 form or hopefully maybe slightly improve upon that? You know what? I'm hoping from, you know, James Daniels specifically that he, he's better than that. And I think he's definitely capable of it. But the problem was, I mean, being at the center, you just have to call out a lot of things what you're seeing from the defense. And I think Kyle Long was uh, the person who went on one of the radio segments that he's been doing uh, over the past month now saying that he just wasn't uh, loud enough, wasn't able to call the plays to really get the message across to his offensive line. And he wasn't picking it up correctly. So they make the switch with Cody Whitehair, who's just more comfortable with it. But I really look at just James Daniels being as young as he is. I think, you know, just 21 still being able to take that next step, he has all the intangibles of being a good offensive lineman, can move in space and get to the right position, do all that kind of stuff. It's just about really picking up and knowing what defenses are throwing at him. And at the guard position, you don't have to be as responsible as you are if you're the center. So I think you can expect him to take a step up. And then Cody Whitehair, I think he's been consistent. It was just really the biggest thing was the snapping issues, and that wasn't a problem. When he moved back uh, in this past season. So you can count on, I think you can count on those interior guys going into 2020. And you're hoping that bringing in Juan Castillo, their new offensive line coach, can maybe just bring just something that this offensive line was just lacking last season with Harry Heastan. Again, a great coach, but it just didn't click for some reason. So you're hoping that Juan Castillo can get the best out of these two young interior players because they, they honestly need to step up if this offense as a whole, regardless of who the quarterback is, wants to have any success in 2020. Yeah, and I think that expecting more from both Whitehair and Daniels is expected. I think we shouldn't you know hold them to a lower standard because they both had a a little bit of a I think the entire offense regress. I, I don't want to use that word too much in this episode, but they both had a little bit of a dip in their play. And obviously we're hoping they can at least get back to 2018 form at a minimum. But ideally, especially with Daniels entering year three, Whitehair's entering year four, five, it's time for them to take that next step. So I'm excited to see what they can do. But looking at this Pierce offensive line, you know, your left tackle, your left guard, your center, I think we're rather comfortable there. We know the potential that they have. But then you move over to the right side of the offensive line. And this is thing, This is where things kind of get murky. Obviously, Kyle Long, he's retired. Uh, the Bears did their best without him for the majority of the last season. Bobby Massey at right tackle. He's going to be turning 31 in August. Uh, he missed a good chunk of the final portion of the year after having that high ankle sprain. Uh, obviously, he's going to be a roster lock. I think he has like $10 million in dead cap attributed to him in 2020. So Bobby Massey, he's going to be here, like I said. Nick, do you have comfort in him being able to perform at the level that we need him to have next season? I know he's someone that had a rough start in Chicago, got better, and he's been just like Charles Leno Jr., average, and don't expect more from him. But do you think that Bobby Massey, even at 31 years old, can play at a level that we need to succeed in 2020? I think he can do just enough. 
Um, you're going to get your growing pains with Bobby Massey, obviously getting up there with age. But I think I'm thinking that's a position the Bears. Look, they have limited draft capital, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears are looking to upgrade or at least bring in somebody for the 2021 season to replace Bobby Massey. But I think he can do just enough, do his job. Like I said, he's going to give up those penalties. He's going to beat beat off of pass rushers that can just get that quick step on him. That's been his struggle for really his entire career. So, yes, I think he could do just enough. I'm Look, I, I, I would say I'm comfortable with him. Um, because if you're expecting James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, and obviously Leno Jr. to kind of get back to a, a level where they were closer to 2018 than 2019, then I think the offensive line as a whole just plays better. Continuity between that group and consistency, I think, will go a long way between all five guys. But I'm, you know, it's it's like average. I'm okay with him perform. I think he'll be all right in 2020. But the Bears are going to be looking to upgrade that position for sure. Well, there's another position that I don't know if they need to upgrade, but they need to fill, and that's right guard. I know we've had some high hopes for Alex Bars, or maybe just some hopes for Alex Bars, but Nick, I think you would agree with me that the Bears must be adding new talent at this guard position during the offseason, right? Absolutely. Whether that's in free agency or the draft, you have to bring somebody new because you cannot rely on Rashad Coward to be that right guard. There were just so many plays where you could just pinpoint, look, maybe the play wouldn't have worked regardless, but you look at Rashad Coward's play specifically, and then you see why David Montgomery has to try and shake and bake in the backfield before he's even able to gain a yard or anything like that. So there needs to be somebody new, whether, like I said, in free agency or the draft, expect the Bears to get somebody that can play that position and be effective there. Because if you have good interior line play, I think this changes what David Montgomery can do, how comfortable Mitch Trubisky can feel in the pocket. It's a lot of things that stem from the offensive line because the play just was not good at, at, at all in 2019. Now, I have to ask, what's going to be your current confidence level at the offensive line overall? I don't think we need to take time to uh, discuss the backups and the depth here too much because a lot of them are up for contract and they're going to be in our pass and play segment. But when you're looking at this current squad, how it is, primarily focusing on the starting five, which were four-fifths of the way there. Uh, how confident are you in this group? So, obviously, considering that they're, they'll get somebody at that right guard position other than Rashad Coward, are we going to scale 1 to 10 here in confidence? Yes, 1 to 10. Okay. 1 to 10, I'm going to give you about – I'll give you a 7. I think those guys that are there – Definitely play better than they did in 2019. I do. I believe that whether the play calling helps them out or whatever it may be, uh, Juan Castillo, I believe they play better. And if you just put somebody there that's not Rashad Coward or Kyle Long because he admitted it himself that he just was not the player. He wasn't doing what he had to do. I think you can give it a seven. I don't think they have a lot of guys that are just maulers on the offensive line, more so a lot of zone blocking schemes that they like to run. But I would like to see somebody that just brings some nastiness to them. So, like I said, free agency of the draft, I want to see that spot filled with that guy, and then I'd give it a seven. All right, yeah. I'm at Literally, I'm at like a six, 6.5. I think it's really the math when you're looking at it. I know fourth, fifth is technically – 80%, but you have to put in depth, which is a question right now, like I mentioned. And additionally, I know there are, you know, you're confident enough in this starting unit to move forward, but you can't be overly confident. We'd be silly for like, oh yeah, they're great. They're going to be fine. Because we've seen points where 
that is questioned. And we need to make sure that, you know, they're coached up uh, better. And that's really what it comes down to. So, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you currently at like 6.5. And let's see how they address that right guard position. And then we'll see how that kind of adjusts some of the confidence, at least on my end. Now, moving over to the tight ends, man, I don't even know where to begin with the tight end position. It was such a disappointment last year. I wish I can tell, you know, the Bears to just blow the whole thing up and try again. And we know that's not really going to be the case, even though I don't think that really it would be the worst idea. Now, remember, the Bears had the fifth highest salary allocated to tight ends in 2019. And the production was one of the worst in the NFL. I know Jacob Infante, uh, which, by the way, is his birthday, so happy birthday, Jacob. He tweeted out that if the Bears' six tight ends catch passes, if they combine all those six tight ends into one player, they would rank 13th in receptions, 22nd in yards, and 34th in touchdowns with only two. So obviously there's a lot, to room, a lot of room for improvement for the Bears' tight ends. Now I want to start with Trey Burton since he's technically supposed to be the tight end one. Uh, he had a few nagging injuries throughout the year. He ended the season with 14 catches on 24 targets, 84 yards, and was unable to get a single touchdown. Not nearly the type of season that we expected from him or really needed out of a Trey Burton. So, Nick, this is going to be one of my patented, simple question, complicated answer times. Can Trey Burton, first and foremost, stay healthy or get healthy and stay healthy and be a focal point in the offense in 2020? Man, that's that's a tough one. Will we just that first season? There was definitely hope that he could be that guy, but the injuries just started piling up for Trey Burton. And just to me, you can't go. I don't think you can go into twenty twenty expecting big things out of Trey Burton. If it happens, that's great. You're paying him to do that, but just what he's gone through injury wise, I just don't see him being a very reliable player for the Bears until he proves me wrong, until he can consistently go in game in and game out and be someone that's one active on Sundays and producing. I personally don't think he's going to be somebody that Matt Nagy's looking towards like and feeling confident about. I don't think you can be. He hasn't shown it consistently. He hasn't done it on the field um, for the Bears. And that's why I th- I'm thinking, like, when you said blow it all up with the position-wise, that wouldn't be that bad of an idea just because that's what this group is, just a one that you can't rely on. They were ranked dead last in touchdowns with two. They were tied for dead last. And those receiving yards that you mentioned, again, last in the league out of all the tight end groups. So it's just – not a reliable position, but it's such an important one in this offense that you have to you have to expect Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace are going to be looking at a I think a higher draft pick for tight end to bring in, or you you look at maybe an Austin Hooper, something like that to bring in because you need consistency and reliability at that position because without it, clearly this offense isn't the same. So to go on record, if you were Ryan Pace, you would do whatever you can to make sure that you're not putting all your eggs in the Trey Burton basket? Absolutely. Yeah, if he plays well, that's a you know that's a plus. But I am not going to do that and rely on Trey Burton to be a consistent playmaker for me in 2020. I'll ask. I'll ask. I don't know. The question has popped up in my head. Usually I don't go with these types of questions, Nick, but with Trey Burton, I feel like I have to. Is he soft? I don't think he's <laughs> soft. I, I wouldn't say that. I, I'm, look, I don't ever want to question a player's um, you know, legitimacy with the injuries they're dealing with. They're in the NFL. They get hit all the time. I, God forbid if I ever got hit by a safety, God knows what would happen to my body. But 
I, I would think that he's really he is dealing with stuff, and it's just how you deal with it. Some players are better with playing through pain than others, and it's it's their body that's on the line. So I wouldn't say Trey Burns soft. I know people probably will you know disagree with me, but I wouldn't say that. What do you? What's your take on it? I mean, you get paid a lot of money to go out there, and I understand that you know you don't want to risk your body in the future. And I know, like, I don't know, it just seemed like it was nagging injuries. It was nothing severe enough. Like, he was out there, but he wasn't out there. Like, he would take himself out of games and, like, either be in or be out, but you're hurting your team either way. So I don't know if soft's the right word for it, but he definitely wasn't benefiting this offense uh, with how he approached this year. Uh, So for me, ideally, with Trey Burton, uh, somehow he returns to 2018 form. I think that's a lot of this offensive talk. We may say, you know, if they can just get back to where they were in 2018, we can build on that. And hopefully with Trey Burton, like you said, that would be a plus. I don't know if he could. I, I know he has the capability. I know the offense can run through him a little bit. He did prove to be valuable in 2018. So you take one, maybe he's somewhere in the middle. But I know last year he was very in and out. Uh, so hopefully, I think it comes down to health. And so hopefully that year where he just decided that he needed to step back will help him here in 2020. That's at least the hope. Now, looking elsewhere at the position, we can move on from one disappointment to the next disappointment, (laughs) and let's go ahead and discuss Adam Shaheen. I don't want to go into his lack of production and his inability to stay healthy either. We all know it. We've all witnessed it. We all feel the pain of watching this second rounder kind of flop year in and year out. Nick, I don't know. I know we have a a cut section later on in the show, but when it comes to Adam Shaheen, we can talk all day what he needs to improve on, which, number one, is just staying on the field and being healthy and getting out there. But really, when it comes to Adam Shaheen, the only question that matters, at least to me, do you expect him to be on this roster week one? No, I honestly don't. I think they're going to bring in guys that can play the position and have shown it, especially if they bring in someone through free agency. Um, They're going to outplay Shaheen and show them what a tight end should do on the field because he hasn't shown that he is capable of doing it. So come week one, and like you said, we'll, we'll probably get to it later in the show. I, I, I honestly don't expect Adam Sheen to be on this team. He does well. He does he does great things in training camp and all that stuff. But I'll say he does that, very good things in training camp. I don't think I've ever seen anything great out of out of him. Okay, so I mean, still he just that's where he shines, and that's not that's not the place to do it. You want to be producing when it actually counts. And when it comes down to it, when the Bears have to cut to the final 53, I don't think Shaheen's a part of that that 53 there. Yeah, you don't want your second-round pick to be your, quote, camp hero. That's reserved for your seventh-rounder, your UDFAs. Tanner I Gentry's. Mean, yeah, like that's what that role's reserved for, not your second-round pick that you traded up to get. That's not who should be a camp hero and then fades out uh, for the rest of the regular season. I have some really interesting numbers in terms of what the Bears have paid Am Shaheen versus the production. I'm going to save that for later on the show, but trust me, you want to hear uh, some of these numbers because they're going to make you sick. So maybe you don't want to hear it, but I promise you uh, they're interesting to say the least. Now looking elsewhere at tight end, there's a hodgepodge of players like Dax Raymond, who was kind of stashed away in our practice squad last year, who's someone I still personally uh, have slight hope for someone who I liked coming out of college a year ago. And I'm excited that he came to Chicago. We didn't see him. So I don't know if they're just holding him back or he didn't develop at a right rate, but they did pay him to a pretty uh, decent contract for someone who went undrafted. Then of course you have Jesper Horstead, uh, Eric Saubert. And obviously these guys are kind of lurking in the shadows of sorts. I don't think 
anyone here is going to be quote the answer at this position, but do you have any confidence in one of these guys over the other? You know, I, I kind of like the upside with Jesper Horstead. I know, um, you know, in training camp, I didn't think he would be, you know, anything for the bears, but I think just with that wide receiver background, you could see him at that, that you tight end being able to get open and he ran a fantastic route. The one touchdown that he had on the season, only two touchdowns by the entire group all season, but against Detroit on that Thanksgiving day, that's a, that's a very precise corner route that he runs. You want to see him get more opportunities and maybe see if he can make some plays. Um, but yeah, Holtz is another guy when you're thinking about the run game and maybe that, that mm. H back fullback role, to where he did excel against the Chargers game where the Bears just, you know, had a resurgence, use a heavy group, heavy run package, and they're actually having success running the football. You know, you had Holtz as a guy that was a part of that. So those would be the two guys I have the most upside. Ben Broniker is like, he's also, you know, just below that group. But when I'm looking at possibly potential, maybe a little room to grow, those would be the tight ends that I'm highlighting. It's crazy. I forgot about Holtz. I forgot about Bronnecker. Just too many guys at this position that are just average or slightly below average. I think they all just kind of mesh together into, like I said, a big muck. And none of them really stand out. And I know Bronnecker has been here for some time, so I think he has my trust a little bit more than some of these younger guys. But honestly, I do. I get a little excited about camp when I'm thinking about these guys battling it out for some of the bottom positions. If they're fighting for a tight end two spot, we have some problems, Nick. But ideally, I do want to see them kind of fight for that bottom of the roster because this is interesting because one of these guys could click, you know, sometime down the road, but we just don't know who and we just don't know when. And you can't bank on any of these names that we just mentioned here. So when you put everything together, the Trey Burton fiasco, the Adam Shaheen fiasco, (laughs) and then again, these lower tier guys that are just below average, what's your current confidence level at the tight end position? I'm at a two and maybe two's generous. I'd go, I'd go three. I was around that area. Yeah, with this current group, you cannot feel confident going into 2020. But they, they definitely will change. But with the guys we mentioned, we talked about the lack of consistency, reliability, and productivity. You just cannot feel confident about this group whatsoever. So three for me. Three for you. Yeah, either way, it's a very low number. And like I said, blowing it up and starting over would not be the worst idea that the Bears have ever had. Now let's move on to the wide wide receiver position here. And Nick, obviously, uh, my first question, it's going to be about Allen Robinson. And with him, I... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Obviously, we can go into the stats and figures, but I don't think I think we did that a lot in our awards show, uh, and we explained just how vital he was to this offense. But with Allen Robinson, I guess my question would be, how important would it be for the Bears to find a way to sign him to an extension? Robinson saying that he wants to be a Chicago Bear for life. He wants to retire here. He believes the Bears are close. Is this the offseason to extend Allen Robinson in your eyes? I know there's a lot of needs and a lot of holes to fill, but if you can lock in someone like an Allen Robinson with that talent level for the foreseeable future, I don't see any repercussions of it, but correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, I absolutely believe that. I think a deal will be 
um, worked out at some point because the Bears need Allen Robinson. There just isn't – there really isn't another reliable wide receiver they can count on on this team. So if you somehow don't lock him up to an extension soon, you're risking losing your offense at this point. And at this point in time, Allen Robinson is the Bears' offense. And what, all, everything that he does, he's just a – a pros pro being able to one put up the numbers, but also kind of teach the younger guys on this team how to be a consistent wide receiver in this league. They're still working on it, but you need to find a way to extend them. Maybe that'll save up some cap space for the 2020 season. Obviously kind of uh, just spreading the money over, you know, more years, but I think it is just a, it's one. it's probably number one on the bears to do list for the in-house stuff they can do. Extend Allen Robinson. He is a number one receiver in this league. Give him an actual good quarterback, and imagine the numbers that he would put up. Yeah. He is that. He's that kind of guy that can just consistently beat one-on-one coverage. Knows how to get behind his zone, make the difficult catch on the sideline, reliable hands, all that. That's Allen Robinson. So I would think checklist number one: find a way. Stand Allen Robinson. Do not let him leave. Because who knows what this offense would be without him. Yeah, it'd be interesting if someone at the Combine would ask Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, to see if that's actually in the works and what kind of answer they would get. Just throwing it out there as an idea, Nick. But outside of yeah. Robinson, yeah, yeah, just an, just an idea, just something to keep in your head. But looking <laughs> at this team, outside of Robinson, like you said, Nick, no one else is really the reliable. Like, they're not reliable whatsoever. They are really question marks and some are more promising question marks than others and some we have more hope for than others and we believe in and we think they can be building blocks but none of them are really proven and looking at these guys at least i'm going to call them next the next tier here is uh taylor gabriel cordero patterson and anthony miller uh kind of like what we did with the tight ends do any of these players instill more confidence in you as building blocks moving forward i think for me despite the shoulder injury and multiple of them. Uh, Anthony Miller, I really liked how he was coming on strong, uh, right, you know, towards that second half of the season, towards the late end. I mean, he had, he was on a tear where he was going on multiple 100 yard games, uh, being a someone who Mitch can kind of rely on. I really thought he was starting to come into his own a little bit and develop. And it is unfortunate that he re injured the same shoulder that he injured as a rookie. That does cause some concern, at least in my eyes. But in terms of raw talent and overall potential, looking at this next tier, Anthony Miller is my guy. But I'm yeah. curious to your thoughts as well. Absolutely. I think he should be because he is, he's actually shown some flashes. And look, through the first nine games of the 2019 season, Anthony Miller didn't do much of anything. The offense didn't as well. 17 receptions, 218 yards. The last seven games, like you alluded to, Will, he had 35 receptions. 438 yards and two touchdowns. Then you mentioned 100-yard games. He had two of those in that time span, one against the Detroit Lions when he had nine receptions for 140 yards and then nine receptions for 118 yards uh, against Green Bay. So you're seeing you're seeing what can be from Anthony Miller, right? And he's just a guy that he can create separation, especially in that slot position. He knows and he knows how to set up a route, set up his man and give easy throwing windows for Mitchell Trubisky. And that's exactly what he needs right now as a quarterback, just a spot where you can throw to where you know it's safe. 
And that's what Anthony Miller can oh, do. Now, I thought you meant Anthony Miller needs a quarterback. Well, that would help too. He'd probably put up even bigger numbers. But, yeah, um, it, like Anthony Miller – I think is a guy you have to you have to have hope for just be being a second round pick that shoulder injury though like you said well you you know all about it it's just not something that really gets better over time right no and the fact that he re-injured it after getting it surgically repaired is what scares me because if it was happening like it did as a rookie where it kept getting dislocated and it was multiple times without the actual surgical repair in place then that's one thing. But once you get that thing, you know, sewn up and they put the anchors in there and they, you know, artificially put in a new labrum and then that gets torn, that's a problem. And that seems like it could be something that reoccurs. Uh, and I don't know what they can do differently than they did. That's first time. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a doctor. I do have a degree in kinesiology, but that's an Indiana University problem, not mine. But yeah, it's one of those where I'm, I'm worried a little bit about the longevity of that shoulder. Um, but if he can find a way to repair it, like you said, he has all the talent. Looking at Cordero Patterson real quickly, do you think the Bears can find a way to utilize him more effectively? Because he shows some flashes where he can still be uh, not a, I won't call him a vital part of an offense, but an X factor, if you will, someone that can uh, be a part of a game plan, albeit in a you know more modest of a role. But I thought he could have had a bigger role last year and it just didn't kind of come to fruition. Yeah, and I think that's just how the offense was running for the entire year. They weren't on the field because they couldn't stay on. Yeah, I get Yeah, no. So they can definitely find ways to get Cordell Patterson the ball. I mean, just looking at uh, impact plays, explosive plays, Cordell Patterson definitely had a couple of those. He was actually number two in all the NFL for the second fastest play. Um, You had Matt Breed at number one where he – it's impressive how fast these players are – Matt Breida ran 22.3 miles per hour on one of these plays. Cordell Patterson in week two, I believe, against Denver, he hit a speed of 22.3 miles per hour. So you get a guy like that on the edge and just have him run, that's big plays. That's explosive plays that the Bears absolutely need for 2020. But there's no doubt in my mind you can find ways to give him the ball because he is explosive he is a playmaker and usually i would say good things happen when you get to him maybe not given to him on a third and one predictable running down when he gets to the game for the first time that's probably not it but you could be creative and i think matt Nagy has it in him to do better at doing that in 2020 I think we, everyone listening agrees and everyone hopes of the case because I think you can find a way to utilize him a little bit more. He is kind of like a Swiss Army knife, and if the Bears can find a way to be a little less predictable, like you said, that should definitely help. Real quickly, before we move on to my next topic point, I did see here in the chat that it is Bacon Football's birthday. So, Bacon, just want to say happy birthday. I always love seeing you in the chat. You've been around for years. So, just want to say happy birthday. Hope it was a great one, and hopefully you enjoy the rest of the show now that you're here a little late. You can catch up here. You can rewind after the fact, but definitely stay with us right now. But, Nick, getting back to the topic at hand, uh, I just have one more question on a wide receiver, and it's on the Georgia brothers, uh, Wims and Ridley. Uh, We didn't see a ton of Ridley in his rookie year, but, man, I do hope that he can develop and get a shot. Had a lot of hype around that pick last year around draft time, a lot of you know praise for Ryan Pace for that draft pick, so I'm still hopeful that Ridley can develop and evolve 
and looking at Wims, he had his moments. He still struggles to be consistent, though. Uh, looking, I think he caught 46% of his targets last year, so that's not a positive to take away. So, Nick, I want to know your thoughts on these two kind of moving forward. Do you have anything that you want them to work on? Uh, probably that question's better suited for Wims just because we didn't see Ridley all too much. But just curious on uh, your thoughts of these two guys who I still think a lot of fans are excited for, um, but we just don't know exactly what we have in them yet. But we have hope. Yeah, I, th- I think we just need to see them on the field more. And I think that opportunity is going to come for both of them come 2020 because we have a current wide receiver, Taylor Gabriel. We, I'm thinking it's not going to be on this team next season. So you have to kind of find ways to spread out that production. Not Look, both whims and really are completely different players to a Taylor Gabriel, but you can find ways to still supplement that kind of production throughout those two guys and get them, again, the football in, in different ways. But I would think that you're just going to see more opportunities for those guys. But I would also think you just need to have speed at this position. And when I look at the Bears wide receivers as a whole, there's not much speed. It, look, Anthony Miller's got some some good top end. You have Cordell Patterson, who obviously, like I just alluded to earlier, can run. But you need burners. Some people that when the defense is there, you have to have that deep safety because this guy can just run past you. That's why when you saw the two teams in the Super Bowl, they were so explosive on offense because they just have playmakers. Um, I know we're kind of getting a little off track by Ridley and uh, Wims, but I do think they will get more opportunities in 2020. But I also think you can expect to see another guy added to this group because the Bears just need more team speed right now. I mean, you know how I felt about them cutting Marvin Hall. I mean, he was someone in training camp and in preseason who was consistently coming down with the deep ball. He was doing that against the Bears' number one defense running with the number twos, with Chase Daniel at quarterback. And I really thought that the Bears would have saw that and been like, yeah, that's something that we need this season. We need that speed. They got him. And I think that was a mistake. Hopefully they learn from that mistake because, Nick, I agree, uh, speed is a definite need at the position. Uh, I think there will be an extra spot that they can fill. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But overall, Nick, what's your confidence level in the receiving position for, well, at least as it stands today? So as it stands today, um, what did I give the I gave the offensive line a seven. That may have been way too high, but I would go. <laughs> yeah, we'll move that down to like a six. Um, wide receivers, you have to go with at least an eight. I think Allen Robinson is what really brings up that number, um, especially when I'm comparing it to what I gave the offensive line. I have to go higher. Um, but yeah, I still I see potential in what an Anthony Miller can be if he's healthy. I see a potential in Riley Ridley. I think he's just a good route runner, can create plays, high point the football. We just didn't see it last season. So there are some playmakers on this team. They just weren't on, one, the Bears were on offense long enough to really utilize these guys. And then you didn't give Cordell Patterson enough opportunities as well, being a big playmaker. So they have guys there. They can still add more, but I do like... I think the the core group of the of these players because they they can make plays. Yeah, I'm at like a seven seven and a half when it comes to the wideouts, just because I like to see what they can do in a year where the offense is full. I don't think they were the problem. They had problems, they had issues, but they weren't the problem. It, the offensive line was a big problem. Quarterback play was a big problem. Inability to run didn't help the receivers. But I do believe in the talent. I think that room has a ton of talent. I think, like you said, if they can find a burner type of guy a speedster that can really just 
gives them more opportunity. That gives them, you know, a little bit more skills. And of course, you can utilize them in different ways. And that should open up Pandora's box, if you will. So for me, seven and a half. Uh, we'll see. Not a huge need. Uh, just that one guy, I think, can really change the entire dynamic of that wide receiver room. You know what? Bacon mentioned a, a really good point. Bacon football here. They do have to work on their catching because there were so many drop passes this season. Mm -hmm. I think the Bears True. were in the top five for drop passes. When looking at 2018, they were one of the least uh, amount of least teams that would drop the pass. So that's something that completely changes in one season. Again, just adding up to all the problems that were this Bears offense in 2019. But really good point there, Bacon Football. Yeah, that's, that's smart as well. I think it comes down to focus. And obviously when things aren't going well, it just sometimes kind of, you know, spirals that way. Things tend to not go your way. I don't think – it's not like I don't think anyone on this team has bad hands. It's just a matter of focus in the game and the situation, and we'll see if they can get that cleaned up. Uh, switching our focus to the backfield, let's go ahead and begin at running back. David Montgomery, he didn't have a fantastic rookie season, but I'll say even though his numbers didn't rank all too well, I do have confidence in the kid. He showed some real promise, and I believe uh, with an improved offensive line and hopefully an entire offensive tack you know, being more improved, uh, he should be able to take his game to a new level in 2020. How about you, Nick? I know a year ago you wrote a column saying that he's the perfect fit for this Bears offense. Do you still believe that today? Absolutely. Uh, David Montgomery is the perfect fit for this offense. Just when you have the offensive line that the Bears had to play, how they were doing in you know each week, you could see the struggles that David Montgomery was having. He was, I think, questioning his vision and his decision-making before a hole was opening up, if there was a hole. So it's, he's hesitating before he's making a decisive move because of what he's probably experienced all season from that offensive line, just letting pass rushers through, not allowing him to be just the decisive runner that he is and just being able to make people miss. So I think David Montgomery is still a perfect fit for this offense. I would love to see Matt Nagy utilize him more in the passing. He's a capable pass catcher. And I think that's just another element that we want to see in 2020. But just with how the offensive line was, and him being a rookie, still trying to get acclimated to the NFL level, there were definitely going to be struggles. But there's no doubt I have it doesn't change my confidence in Montgomery being this back that the Bears, you know, moved up to go get last season. So I still very confident in him and it's a player. He's going to grow from that that rookie season. And hopefully the line we're expecting the line to be better than last season. So I think you'll see David Montgomery's average, you know Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com per carry yards go up and all those good things that you want to associate with a year two jump uh, for David Montgomery. I was going to say, you know, you're bashing that offensive line that you gave a seven on. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had to say. I, I mean, look, I'm expecting them to be better because they were yes. a good group in 2018. You, like, you but... like them as a group. You thought they didn't play up to their potential. And with Absolutely. new coaching, they can Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. Just making sure we're all on the same page here. I do want you to be critical, though, uh, of David Montgomery because it's always good to kind of be upfront with your weaknesses. What do you want to see him improve on? Obviously, 
he didn't have a lot of help from his offensive line. I think you alluded to an area of his game where he can grow, but I would like to see if uh, you caught your own note. Yeah, no, decision-making and just overall patience, I think, is what David Montgomery needs to kind of work on. At times, it's just rushing to get to the edge when you don't think anything's going to be open into in the interior of the offensive line. And I don't blame him because, again, going back to that offensive line, just didn't generate enough holes. So here's what David Montgomery thinks he needs to do is bounce outside. That wasn't the case some of the times that he was doing that. So that's what's what I want to see from David Montgomery come year two. Trust what you're seeing or what's supposed to happen in front of you. It may take a little bit longer in terms of what these offensive linemen are doing, but I think that's going to be the big thing that I want to see come year two for David Montgomery. There you go. Trust your instincts. Even if it says the offensive line is a seven, you just go with it. (laughs) There you go. There we go. Moving on to Tariq Cohen. If I remember correctly, he was both yours and my overrated player of the year award back when we did our award show about a few weeks ago. Now, how about this? Let's go ahead and let's just talk through how he can bring back his value to this team and to this offense. What kind of role do you uh, hope Cohen can have next season or Matt Nagy can throw him in next season to get the most out of Tariq Cohen to elevate the offense? Because there were too many times where I thought Tariq Cohen was kind of holding the offense back a little bit. So how can we get Tariq Cohen back on track? Because we know the speed, we know the potential, we know his raw intangibles, but we need to find a way to get that to be uh, productive, effective, and just overall more valuable. Because, like I said, he was anything but a year ago, besides a you know a few spurts here and there. I think the big thing for Tariq Cohen, he is a running back. That's what I think Matt Nagy needs to kind of realize. He's trying to make him into his own version of Tyreek Hill, and that's why you see when you look at Ty- um Cohen's stats it's more reflective if he's looking like he's a pass catcher a wide receiver that's not he could do that but that shouldn't be the primary focus of Tree Cohen's game I would have liked I thought the Bears were going to be lined up with two running backs in the backfield and not knowing whether or not either one of them was going to go for the route but more times than not it was Tree Cohen so that's what I want to see Matt Nagy kind of work on, not really splitting the carries because I think David Montgomery should be the feature back by all means. It's just I want to see Tariq Cohen actually kind of go back to his normal role, not maybe he's like an inside, you know, inside the tackle runner. He's a guy if you can hopefully get to the edge, he has that speed, but that's where I think needs to happen to maybe get more of a balance for Cohen's stats in terms of a pass catcher and a runner because right now it's just primarily he's being used as a pass catcher when that that's not Tariq Cohen. He's not Tyreek Hill, and that's what I think Matt Nagy kind of needs to get out of his mind because everything that he's doing, he's trying to replicate Kansas City, um, and that's not – well, clearly it's not happening at the number one position. We'll get to in a little bit, but that's where I think Matt Nagy needs to be better at as well. So I know I mentioned that earlier. Um, Matt Nagy just needs to do a better job with Cordell Patterson. He also just needs to do a better job with Tariq Cohen. Or just a better job in general. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. That's I just, I, it looked like you may have was ready to say something, so I just wanted to make sure. Uh, in terms of Tariq Cohen, I think you hit on some good points and how they can use him a little bit more effectively, alter his role a little bit. When you're looking at Tariq Cohen personally, he needs to work on his vision uh, and how he attacks that field because there's too many times he gets way too wide. He doesn't follow his blockers correctly. Sometimes he'll outrun them, or more times than not, he'll outrun them. So for him to learn patience and have a way to read the field a little bit better, uh, maybe he plays a little bit too fast at times uh, is something that I would say about Street Cohen that he needs to kind of work on here this offseason. Now, when I was doing my prep for this show, I couldn't help but think the Bears have a pretty big need for another back on this roster. Uh, I believe they need to find someone who they were hoping Mike Davis would become. Someone who can be, you know, maybe a main guy if needed, say if Montgomery goes down. Like someone that can come in in a pinch, not take over Montgomery's spot, but someone who can fulfill that role if they needed to. Uh, so for me, obviously, right now when I'm looking at this Bears offense, it's kind of felt like defenses can kind of key in on what the Bears were trying to do last year just with their personnel, whether Cohen is on the field or Montgomery. Uh, so right now they need to find a wild card type of guy. Don't forget, we also lost Kareth White Jr. He was poached off of our practice squad last year. So when you look at the 2019 offseason, the Bears brought in two running backs. Both are gone. So they got to try again, right? Yeah, I think they will try again. And um, I have this also in my notes. I think the Bears should look for a guy, again, more running back than wide receiver when it comes to like the versatility. But Antonio Gibson, who I actually got to talk to at the Senior Bowl, I think that could be a potentially good fit for the Bears and what they're trying to do on offense. Just having the defense guessing what's going to happen on a given play. He's more, he was a wide receiver at Memphis, but he's transitioned now to running back. And I think he's he's got a very similar body type to a Le'Veon Bell. So a guy that can you could definitely put him out wide to cast passes, but he's primarily a running back. I think that's that would help this offense, not knowing what this guy's gonna do on any given play, but you bring in somebody like that, I think you can one, give the ball to inside the tackles, which you can't really do with Tariq Cohen. And the, I know the Bears tried, they failed, but getting a guy like that I think would definitely benefit just the options that the Bears could have on any given play. Totally agreed. Uh, what's your confidence level here at the running back position? I'm sitting, I think my number that I keep coming back to is about a six, six and a half at most of these positions. I think running backs in the same boat. Yeah, I, I would go to a little bit higher with seven. I, I Look, I like David Montgomery and the potential he has. And, you know, correlating with that offensive line that I was pretty confident with as well. I think you're going to see more production out of the running backs for sure. All right, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but moving on to the final position, quarterback. Well, we finally made it. It's time to address the elephant in the room that is Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I put in my notes the king of regression. I don't know if that was a little bit too harsh or not, but I put it in there when I was prepping for the show, so I figured I may as well say it out loud. Uh, we can go through the numbers, explain all the key areas where he declined uh, you know, last season, but I don't know really what the point of that would be. Uh, he has a lot of opportunity to grow. We all know that. But, Nick, I want to kind of discuss. We've had some time to kind of digest his 2019 season. I recall you stated on the show that he's just not the guy. He's not the answer, and you're, you know, we need to find someone else. I want to know, is that still your belief, or have you milled out some and you hope that maybe he can figure it out? But I'm curious, is, has your opinion changed at all? I would say the Bears still need to go find the, the guy because I don't – I don't think Trubisky is it he just he shows so many red flags I would say just the his poise in the pocket 
the missing wide open wide receivers, messing up on RPOs, decision making. It's like these things that keep adding up are really holding this offense back. And of course, Mitch Trubisky was not the only problem. We just went through four other problems with what the Bears were had to deal with in 2019. But when you put it all together and see what Mitch Trubisky is, I just don't think he's the guy. Like I, I don't think they would ever win a Super Bowl with Mitch. I don't. I really don't just because of, again, what I see consistently happening, happening every week with him. So when it comes down to it, I know I, I said it like bluntly uh, after the Chargers game, I believe, that he's there not the few, guy. There was, a, there was a few instances last season where you kind of threw in the towel and said, F it. Well, yeah, I think it first happened against the Chargers where mm-hmm. it was done. Copped off the Trubisky bandwagon. Do I think they can win games with him? Yes, I think they definitely. If he goes in, and he probably will in 2020, the Bears can win games. They could possibly win the division. They can with that defense and you know having the rest of the group kind of step up. They definitely can. But how much further can you realistically get with Trubisky unless he just plays phenomenally? Like I. Way better. It's got to be better than 2018. He's hitting receivers. He's the reason you're winning. Then, you know, obviously there's a chance, but I just I don't see it in him. I really don't. And I'm curious to think. I'm curious to hear what you have to say on Trubisky, where you're at with him, and yeah, just all of those kind of big oh, question all things. All those that big happen. questions that you got to address. We got to talk about it. I mean, he's not going anywhere. He's going to have to be on this roster. You got to find someone to push him. I don't know who that is right now. There's a lot of options out there on the table that the Bears can kind of go through. We need to figure that out here on the show as well. I know that's for a future episode, but you got to find a way to push him. Uh, you got to find a way to at least poke his buttons, get him motivated. I don't think he's unmotivated. I don't think he doesn't care. I think he's just slow to process. And I think if he, if the game was a little bit slower for him, like the XFL, he may be pretty damn good. I think he's really good at a slower speed. He has the intangibles. He can run with the ball. He has a pretty good arm. When he can set his feet and he's not you know, under duress, he can throw accurate footballs. We've seen it. It's just not consistent. It's just not consistent. And that's what it comes down to, Mitch. Inconsistency. And I know I saw someone said here in the chat, I didn't see what it was, uh, but they said the, you know, he flips the switch in the fourth quarter, which is great. But you need that switch on the entire game, all four quarters. They can't. You can take it to another level in the fourth quarter, but you can't be bad quarters one through three, and then be really good in quarter four and be a successful quarterback in the league. That's just not a recipe for success. You're always going to be playing from behind that way, even with a defense as good as the Bears. Uh, that was the case of the majority of this season. So yeah, do I think Mitch can be a dominant quarterback in this league? No. Can he be a okay game manager type? Probably. A good backup type, fine. But, yeah, for a second overall pick, way you know, the expectations are high. They need to be high. And for him just to be average isn't good enough for, you know, that high of a draft pick. And he's not good enough for us to obviously win games. If he wasn't last year. He wasn't pulling guys up. I know, the again, we know there's other problems, but good quarterbacks can erase some of these problems. He was unable to. He became a problem himself. So you got to find a way to fix it. And whether that be pushing him and he, again, maybe you find a right veteran that pushes his buttons and then the flip goes and then he takes his game up and it's consistent. Cool. I'm not going to complain if he figures it out. I just don't have confidence that's actually going to be the case. Yeah. So that's the thing. We want 
the best case scenario is for Mitch to succeed and actually take this team somewhere. Maybe okay, maybe the the back ha- like the back end of that is like, oh well, the Bears just give him a contract and keep him here. But if you actually see progression where he he's showing uh, ability to actually consistently throw accurately and just these you, the intangibles you need to play the quarterback position, that would be great. That's what the best case scenario would be. But just you put everything together. What we've seen in three seasons, I just don't. I just don't think it, it it happens. Will I mean, even if Matt Nagy calls the perfect play, and we were at the game with the Chiefs, you have Allen Robinson running wide open down the left sideline, overthrow, and there wasn't pressure on that play. Mitch, Mitch just missed it. There's just so many of those plays where it it should work. It's a mind body it disconnect. Doesn't. It's really yeah, a mind body disconnect because. I, we know he can be accurate. We've seen him do it. We've seen him throw pinpoint ball. It's just it's inconsistency with his mind and his body. They're not in the same. They're not going at the same speed. Sometimes either he's processing things too slow and it's already too late, or he's making the throw decision too late because he's an inability to process. So I think to me, when it comes to Mitch, it's football IQ, his ability to make decisions quick recognize defenses. Those are the things he needs to work on. And if so, some of the other things would kind of fall into place. I just don't know if he has it. Some guys just don't have that innate ability. And, you know, he can be a film junkie. You know, I can be, let's take my son, for example, not the case, but he can be someone who does his homework every night and takes the time and takes the practice. But when it comes to the test, he can clam up. You know, it happens. You can have that kind of anxiety where it just all falls apart in the moment that matters. And I think that's what you're seeing out of Mitch. And that's why you hear about good practices. And then when it comes to the game time, like test time, that anxiety just takes over. And that's all she wrote. And that's not good for the Bears. So, yeah, you got to find someone else at least to push at, at the very minimum to push that can be capable. You have to. Done. Yeah. It has to be done. Well, again, we'll get into that in a later episode who that potentially could be. But it's the most important position on this football team. And what when you look at all the problems, this is, the I think, the biggest one. I know we talked about the offensive line being there and things like that. But quarterback and how Mitch Trubisky played, that was that was the issue. And that's what ultimately, I think, held him to an 8-8 record. Of course, if you have better play from everybody else, maybe – they they just squeeze into like a wild card spot, but it it there needs it needs to be better, and I don't know if Mitch can do that. If okay, I've seen good quarterbacks mitigate bad offensive line play, and the Bears had bad offensive line play, and I know usually we will blame that. Well, they couldn't run the ball, so in turn they couldn't pass. But let's be real, we've seen good quarterbacks with bad offensive lines win games. This Bears defense is holding teams to twenty points a game. We couldn't score more than seventeen to save our life. And that's on the quarterback. If you can't score more than 17 points per game and your defense is holding other teams to 20 and it's that close and you just can't get that third touchdown to win these games, I don't care if your offensive line is average. you got to find a way to get it done. And it wasn't happening. So, yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, if he would have played at a higher level, I really think you're winning some of these games. You finished a 10-6. and six. You finished maybe 11-5. and five. There's some games that are close and that were lost, but there's other games where it wasn't close, but the defense did their job. The other team only scored 20 points, and we're sitting there like nine. You can't have that in this, in this league today. You're not going to win scoring nine points. I don't think you can do that in the 90s, 80s, 70s, <laughs> maybe in the 60s and the 50s. But, yeah, no, you can't have it. But, Let's move on from Mitch. I mean, we can gripe about him all day, obviously. I think we've been holding that in here for a while. It's good to kind of vent out. 
uh, kind of you know get purified a little bit. But do you think that the Bears bring back a Chase Daniel? Because I don't really see why that would happen. Uh, he counted for $6 million or so against the cap each of the last two seasons. I think the money can be better spent with someone to can push Mitch. Um, at this point, obviously, he's not able to really help Mitch grow anymore. He's been here for two years. I think that's tapped out. And obviously, he's not worth $6 million a year to be a uh, someone on the field. So what do you think? Is he a, is he a goner? Yeah, I think Chase Daniels uh, out. His time with the Bears is over with, and clearly, what he was supposed to help Mitch with didn't, you know, come to fruition. No, because let's of play. Think of, no, here, hold on one sec. Think about it. What if that was Chase helping Mitch to the best that he could? And imagine without Chase, what it could have been. That's what I think happened because we know how smart Chase Daniel is. I mean, it's well noted. He's well respected across the league for his football IQ. He knows this system like the back of his hand. I think what we saw to Mitch was with a boost from Chase Daniel, which is another alarming sign. It very well could be, but I mean, Chase Daniel is not a guy that when he goes on the field, you feel you feel you feel a little bit better, maybe because you see how Mitch has played, but you don't feel overly confident he's still going to miss passes himself. So, yeah, I I mean, I, go back to your question. He's not coming back for the, he's not coming back with the Bears. His time has been spent and. Look, he he won. He went two and two. He went two and two um, for the Bears in 2018, 2019, given given those four games that he's played, and that's what you want out of a backup. But it would be better suited if you had somebody there that, if Mitch is playing poorly through maybe four games is a four game stretch, this next guy can come in, and you can feel like, all right, he can play. He could probably play better than Mitch. We could still win games with this guy somebody to compete like you've been saying well that's where the bears should devote some money into as as, as to be the the backup quarterback or maybe foreseeable mm-hmm. you know starter yeah i mean that's a lot of money i mean six million a year for someone who you can't really trust on the field is a lot of money just to stow away uh, i understand why they did it uh, but we need to move on past that stage. Uh, what's your ideal quarterback room look like for 2020? Obviously, we're trying to plan or begin preparations for the offseason. I think for me, it would be Mitch, that vet to push, and then a, you know a rookie to develop. I think you need to go all three avenues here, leave no stone, go unturned, as the saying goes. Yeah, I think that would be the best-case scenario for the Bears. Just one, to think about how they could still be competitive now, and if all else fails, you have this draft pick that maybe can be something that is learned from this, the course of the season from what Mitch and whatever this veteran has done. That would be the best-case scenario for this new, what will be a new quarterback room in 2020. You just got to have options. And the Bears don't, mm-hmm. they have not done their due diligence at drafting quarterbacks over, you know, since Brian Pace has really been here. So they need to start now because obviously it's a huge issue for the Bears right now. Exactly. Confidence level at the quarterbacks. I'm sitting at it maybe a three. I'll go three and a half. Whoever this mystery free agent uh, veteran guy that they bring in, maybe he can win some games for the Bears if you know all else fails. But I'll go with three and a half. So not very confident in the quarterback position. All right. Do you want to? You have an order of needs for the Bears on offense that you want to kind of go through. For me, I'm looking at. Uh, right guard by default because there's no one there right now. Tight end and quarterback are neck and neck. Uh, and then after that, uh, wide receiver for your speed. And then a running back, like we mentioned, to be that wild card guy, that third man in the rotation, someone that can be 
who can be thrust into playing time and be okay, which the Bears didn't have last year. Obviously, we knew what happened with Mike Davis. But do you have an order of needs that you want to kind of share? Yeah, so it was right guard for me as well for number one. I had quarterback, um, veteran, and a also a draft pick, a capable tight end. Whether that is through the draft or free agency, like I've said multiple times in this show. And then I do have another viable running back, just like you, Will. Someone that, just in case David Montgomery were to go down, you feel comfortable with getting handing off the ball to the specific player. And then give me some speed at the wide receiver position. Somebody that you can just, again, his primary goal is to just be a burner, go downfield, stretch the defense. Those are kind of my needs as I look at them right now. Uh, for this Bears offense. All right. Very similar uh, to mine. I think a lot of people are probably in the same boat as well. Uh, Too bad we can't run the team and see what we can do and what magic we can make happen. But up next, we do have our game of pass and play. We have seven Bears that are going to enter the free agent market. Nick and I are going to explain who should stay and who should go. But, Nick, do we just tell everybody? I think we do, Will. Um, Let's, yeah, do it. All right, so... As you know, we've been doing this podcast uh, for the past five years. Very excited about Mar- moving on to your to this next season. Uh, as you know, too, in the past, we've gone to the NFL Combine. I live in Bloomington, Indiana, so very close to Indianapolis. Nick is able to fly in. We try to go every year. I think last year was the first year we didn't go in like three seasons. Well, the good news is we're returning. We're going to go back to the Combine to bring you some Combine content. So I'm very excited about that. And to take this news up to the next level, We've gotten credentials from the NFL, so we actually get full media access to players, coaches, GMs, and we're excited for this new opportunity uh, to give you some content with some access because, you know, we've been doing content without access, and I think we've been doing a pretty damn good job of that. But Nick and I, were both very excited to get A, credentialed for the NFL Combine, B, uh, give you some new content, new types of content with some of this access that we've been given. Uh, so definitely be on the lookout draft week. Nick's coming on Monday, and we're going to be there all week. Uh, every day. Uh, so if you have any specific content requests, let them know in the chat, throw it in the comment here in the video, send me an email, will at chicagoaudible.com, whatever you guys want. We're here to supply you with the content, the Bears content you want. Uh, so we're very excited to go co-mingle with like Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane and, you know, all the Bears beat reporters there. Patrick Finley, you can already get your syllabus ahead of time for your class, Nick. So it's going to be a good time. I'm very excited. We've been attempting to get credentialed for the Combine. For the past five years, they've always said no. This year, we got a yes. So excited to bring that content over to you. But that's the big news that we've been kind of hiding here in the woodworks. I mean, I, I learned like 26 hours ago, so it hasn't been a long time. No, but when you told me when I was on my way to class on the train, I was just excited. And then also, like, it's a good feeling knowing that what we've been doing is being recognized as being something that's professional and also the league can look at it like, yeah, these guys, they've done it consistently for years now. Let's give them that credential. I cannot wait well to be down there. Again, amongst all the reporters, but being able to provide you know, content that's not just coming from our own opinions, but it's from the actual players and coaches themselves, that's going to be great. I'm looking – I cannot wait. Again, also to hang out with you. We don't get to see each other all too often, but to also make connections with the reporters down there, I'm sure we'll meet up with a bunch of those guys. It's going to be a blast. I cannot wait for the combine. Yeah, me too. And I'm hoping this is just an opening of the door because, as you know, not are we trying to get credentialed for just the combine and such, but, you know, Bears press conferences, training camp, things of that nature. Again, we've always gotten no's, but hopefully this is a 
good stepping stone. You know, the door is opening and hopefully Nick and I can kind of burst right on through it. But Nick, see you in town here in a couple of weeks, but we still have a show to finish. So let's get back into it. Unless you had anything else, I'm excited to take you to dinner in Indy, show you around Bloomington finally, because it's been such a long time coming. So it's about time you get down here. Speaking of which, yeah, I need to know sure. the score of this IU-Iowa basketball game that's going on. That's right. right I was going to talk crap about it. Um, you should. You know, you, obviously... I, I deserve it. I, I deserve every <laughs> bit of it as well. But all right. Sign to pay, play, pass, or play. God, I hate that name. So if anyone ever has a better name, please let me know by 2021. But we have seven bears, like I said, to talk about here. Number one, easy. We've already decided, honestly, but just to make it official, uh, Chase Daniel, obviously I'm passing. He's pricey. I don't see the value he can bring this team any longer. Not the best backup quarterback on the field. And I don't think he can help Mitch any more than he currently has. All things I've already said, but obviously officially passing on Chase. Nick? Same here. Passing on Chase for all of all the reasons you just mentioned, Will. Number two, we got Bradley Sal. What are you going to do with Bradley Sal? I'm going to pass on Bradley Sal. I, I remember going back to Bourbon A, just watching him try to catch a football and just seeing how awkward he looked at tight end. I'm like, this is not going to work. Look at the season he had. He didn't do anything. It, it didn't work. It was an ex- a failed experiment. Pass on Bradley Sal. His time is done. And technically, isn't it Sol? Sol, Sal. Well, I said Sal. Yeah. I was like, that's not right, Will. I, I know I mispronounce names, but usually I try to get the ones right that are on the team. He's technically not, so I guess it's okay now. But yeah, <laughs> all I put under my notes under for pass for Sol is failed experiment, move on. You know, they took a pretty okay swing tackle and made him slim down for tight end, and that was a whole debacle, and they botched it. So now it's just time to move on from that one yet. All right, number three, we got Ted Larson. Are you passing or playing on Ted Larson? I think you can get Ted Larson on a cheap veteran kind of deal and playing that guard position. We don't know who's going to be playing that at this moment in time. And you want to get someone, anybody, when he played instead of Rashad Coward, I think that was just an upgrade, right? So I think Ted Larson, you can play because you can get a, a fair deal. That's not going to, you know, hurt this limited cap that the bears have, but I'm playing Ted Larson. I'll pass on Ted Larson. You know, he's in over 30 now. He's getting older. I know his last time in Chicago, I think he was here for one year, then he left. I have a hunch it's going to be very similar this year. I think you can find similar fits, maybe a little cheaper, maybe a little younger, and both of those seem like positives to me. So I think Ted Larson I would pass on, but you're, they're going to bring in other veteran players as well, and there's some other guys on this list I think they might keep as well. So moving forward, we got Cornelius Lucas. Again, most of these seven are back up off into linemen so we don't need to harp on him too much <laughs> yeah That's no I, i'm 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 actually playing lucas um we don't have there's not much depth at that position anyway and mm-hmm. i would assume it would be a very friendly deal as well so i'm playing lucas same i thought he did okay stepping in for massey uh especially in pass protection a uh, mm-hmm. little different story when it comes to his run blocking but i'd bring him back to a small deal bring him back to camp and uh, see what he can do what about tj clemmings so TJ Clemmings, I'm like, wait, TJ Clemmings, who, who, the hell who is, is that? this? Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we didn't see him play this season. That's why um, it's it's hard to kind of gauge where he's at. But just because I don't know much about TJ, I haven't seen him on the field. I'm going to pass on him. More a lot like the reasons you mentioned for Ted Larson, they could probably bring somebody as well that can fill that position. And look, it's not going to be like he's going to be on the 53 man roster. It would be 
on you know the re- injured reserve list or you know practice squad maybe but yeah i'm gonna right now pass on tj clemmings i'm passing on tj clemmings but my gut says they're gonna play him because obviously they saw something to uh, to sign him last may and he missed the entire season due to injury so i'm I'll have a hunch that if they still like him they would at least bring him back to camp to see when if healthy, if he's the guy that they thought he was when they signed him last offseason. So personally, like I said, pass. But if I'm guessing what the Bears are doing here, I'd play. What about Rashad Coward? He's a restricted free agent. And he's been someone who I've been pleased with his progress from, you know, switching from defensive line to right tackle to never playing right tackle, doing an okay job at it in preseason and in camp, and then getting thrust to right guard. And was he the best right guard? No. Was he an average right guard? Maybe at the top of his game, yes, average. But for someone who went through all of that, impressed. But with all that and said, impression doesn't mean great play and doesn't mean you deserve a roster spot or you should be back. But would you pass or play in Rashad Coward? You know, I think the Bears have seen, you know, obviously progression from him and see what he can be as a starter. And that's just not who Rashad Coward is. A backup, yeah, I think he'd be all right as a backup. But... I don't think that's going to be the case for Rashad Coward on this team. I'm going to pass on him just because, again, you could probably find somebody else who's actually played that position, knows the nuances of how to actually be a lineman. And he's had some practice now, a couple of years worth, but there have been guys that have been playing it their entire lives since they've been playing football. So I think you can just find someone more capable as a backup. So I'm going to pass on Rashad Coward. Yeah, this is an interesting one because, like I said, personally, I've enjoyed going to camp. Like, the first time we saw him, uh, like, the Hall of Fame game that year, so that's 2018, two years ago. I can do math. Uh, That was interesting because we were like, okay, what's this going to look like at right tackle? And first practice, a little shaky. The next practice, a little better. And then from there, just continual progression. So it's enticing. It's interesting. I think if you can find him on a rather team-friendly deal, Show some loyalty. Bring him back. He doesn't need to make the final roster. He doesn't need to earn a lot of money, but I don't know where else he can go in this league and have a spot. So I think the Bears, he's like their project, and I would like to see the project continue at least through this offseason into camp, and then we'll see where it goes. I don't think he's a backup at best, but I think he can be a serviceable one. I think he proved that he can be okay, and that wasn't even the position that he switched to. It has a whole new one for him. So for me, I guess I would play, but um, if he's gone, again, I'm not going to cry over it. Last but not least, we have J.P. Holtz. What are you going to do? I'm Tight play- end needs to be blown I'm- up. You're going to play? I'm going to play J.P. Holtz. I liked what I saw from him, especially in the run blocking when he was asked to do that. I think he that's something where he felt natural at, where he's going to get his helmet on another player and just hold that block just long enough for the running back to make their cut, make their move, get some yardage. I liked him in that role. I I think he's pretty limited in the receiving aspect of it, but you see him more as that that fullback, that that wide tight end, inline guy. That's where I see J.P. Holtz, and I think the Bears will play him because right now they don't have any much better options. Might as well play him and see what you bring in, and then you can kind of sort things out. But I'm playing J.P. Holtz. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's an Urfa. Uh, he's an exclusive restricted free agent, so the Bears have a lot of rights here in order to keep him anyway. So I'd play him. He's not going to be expensive. He may not make the final roster. If the Bears do their job, you know, he, it would be really hard for him to make this roster because they'll have a lot more talent at the position. 
but like you said, he showed some promise. He's not going to be a flashy, big playmaking tight end, but someone that can do the little things. And you do need those guys on this team that can do the little things. So, yeah, you bring back a J.P. Holtz. You definitely do. All right, Nick, that's our seven. That may have been the most, not lackluster, but like the least amount of like power <laughs> of names that we've ever had in a pass or play segment over the years, which is interesting uh, because with how bad the offense was, the names of who's up for contract or not are pretty low uh, in terms of who they are. But with that aside, do you have any potential surprise cuts or just players that you see that are currently under contract for 2020 that you would be surprised if they made the final roster come week one? I think we already alluded to at least one or I think at least two on my list. Yeah, so Adam Shaheen obviously is a big one that I think even you know a lot of people in the chat are expecting if week one he's on the roster – it's not a surprise, but look with all the with what I'm expecting for this team to kind of look like in 2020. Taylor Gabriel is a guy that his last game, I believe, was um, who was it against? I want to say it was the last game in like Detroit or somewhere around there. Where after that, you didn't really see him much, and that's right around the time where Anthony Miller started actually producing. So you want to see that for the future at the wide receiver position to have Anthony Miller be productive, not so much Taylor Gabriel. And come week one, if he's not on this roster, wouldn't it be the biggest surprise to me just because of his age, what he's dealing with now in terms of like the concussion thing. And I just, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on this roster. Same. Uh, I mean, Adam Shaheen uh, and Taylor Gabriel are the two names that I had uh, for Gabriel. I'll start with him. Uh, this year, he'd only be 2 million in dead cap, which you never want to have a lot, but uh, compared to prior years, it was like eight, I think, last year. I know this is like the potential out that the Bears may take in this contract. I know I would. Uh, for one reason, it gives the younger guys a chance to kind of develop and step into bigger roles. And secondly, you can find a cheap replacement to give you what Taylor Gabriel gave this offense. It's, it shouldn't take you know a lot of money to replace it. And you can also replace him with someone. I know he has speed. I know he can play quick, but he just can't take the lid off of a defense. And we do need a player like that. So it would open up a spot for that as well. But there's a lot of benefits, I think, that comes with cutting Taylor Gabriel. And when you look at Adam Shaheen, uh, his cap hit, if cut, is only 600 k and I think you got to just eat that money. I would do it every single time. I know the Bears publicly said they have hope, but I don't really think they do internally. And if they do, I think we have bigger problems as well. Uh, so the Bears, like I said, if they do what they need to do, there should be no room for Adam Shaheen on this roster. Like if they retool this position and fix it, you just don't bring Adam Shaheen. He doesn't fit. You have better options. And that's if the Bears do their due diligence here. I hope and pray they do, but there just shouldn't be any room. And I mentioned earlier, and I know people have been waiting for, hey, well, you mentioned he has some stats in terms of what the Bears are paying for when it comes to Adam Shaheen. Well, here they are. Nick, how much do you think he's made per catch? Oh, God. I'm, <laughs> I have no idea ballpark to even where to put it. How many catches does he have? Don't worry about it. It's going to give it away. Uh, how about this? Tell me if this is an overpayment. He is getting paid $178,000 per catch in his career so far. That's what he's been paid. That's what he's being – oh, if that's more than – No, that's, that's me it. If it's more. That's it. That's, that's it. That's, oh, that's it. That's awful. He's been paid $178,000 per catch in the NFL. No. And there's only been like 24 just, of them. Just no. Just stop this now. Stop this nonsense. Uh, per start, it's 
a little different, but he's going to pay $347,000 per start. I don't know if you can justify that. And then the big ticket item here, he's getting paid $1.16 million per touchdown that he's had so far. Nope. Nope. I think you can find more value. I think you can find more value. And I don't care if you pay someone more and the numbers are close, but when you only have like four touchdowns in your career and you're getting paid $1.16 million for each one of those, (laughs) that's all I got to say. Not good for a second round pick. Let's just say that. That's exactly it. Like, again, if that's someone with a big contract, you can justify it. And if it's a lot of numbers, like if you had like 25 touchdowns and yet you're paying him a million per touchdown, cool. I mean, he's worth it. He's being a huge focal point and producer on your team. But it's only four in three years, four years. It's not really where you want this to be. So 178,000 per catch, though, I think is the one that kind of gets me because only 24 catches and they haven't been pretty. They haven't been amazing. And that's, yeah. It's a lot of wasted money there in Chicago. Anything else that you want to mention on today's show, Nick? That's all I have in my notes. I know we went through you know, every position in pretty good detail and depth, but anything else you want to cover today? No, I, we, we went through a lot here. We kind of ended on a sour note, 170000 It, it for felt cats, like a right? flat ending, and I apologize. Yeah, it's like, ugh. But we are going to the Combine. We'll be there, so that pumps me up. But no, I think we, we did a good job of detailing exactly what are the problems with this offense you know, how potentially the Bears can fix them. And we'll definitely go into more in depth with, with those things later in another episode. But yeah, 178,000 per catch. If we can just say that one more time. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, puts a pit in your stomach. But the combine, again, throw in the comments here on the channel, send me an email, hit us up on Twitter. If you have a specific content request, if you have a favorite player that you want us to talk to or inquire about or look into, or if you have a question for Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace that you would love us to ask, I mean, we're here for the fans. We're fans just like you. So whatever you want, we'll definitely provide. So definitely uh, keep a lookout for some really awesome NFL Combine coverage, 2020, starting the Chicago Audible on a very positive note. So we'll be back next week with a show. I'm envisioning it will be a scouting combine primer or something along those lines. Maybe we'll find some other talking points. I'm sure we can open it up for fan questions because we haven't done that in a few weeks. I'm sure you have plenty for us, and we'd love to give you some answers. Uh, So we'll definitely have a hodgepodge of an episode or of sorts coming to you next week. But I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Nick, I got to check the score of this Indiana-Iowa basketball game, and I'm sure I won't be happy by what I'm seeing, but who knows? I may be surprised. But until next week, you all have a good time, and of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.